Chapter 6. The Night of Pitchfork Man. Friday, June 2nd, 1995. It was a beautiful late spring evening. After spending their date night at a park on the shores of the Spokane River, Calvin and Lisa, both just 18 years old, drove to the expansive and deserted parking lot of a high school football stadium. The stadium, close to Lisa's house, was the perfect place to pass the time before getting her home just seconds before her midnight curfew. They spent most of the time talking and listening to music on the radio. I love you. I can see us spending our lives together, Calvin, Lisa said. Calvin didn't reply. He felt distracted by something he couldn't see. Something didn't feel right, but he couldn't tell what. A wave of fear grew in him and his heart rate picked up. He broke out in a cold sweat. What's wrong? I didn't mean I want us to get married right now. I was just... That's not it, Lisa. We've got to get out of here, he said as he quickly put on his seatbelt, looking straight out the front window as if something should be there. He searched for something to explain the fear. A cop? Her dad? Something? He saw nothing. What? Lisa asked. Is it almost midnight already? Lisa, we have to get out of here right now. He said as he started the car and spun the tires in the gravel parking lot, desperate to leave. Calvin was visibly spooked, and at what he had no idea. Calvin, what's the matter? I don't know, but we have to leave here, right now. There was urgency in his voice that even he had never heard before. Calvin remained intent on driving and didn't pause to give Lisa the reassuring smile he normally would in a stressful situation. This time, he knew something was wrong. He felt something pressed in around them, like something was approaching, but from everywhere. He knew that if he didn't speed out of there now, something terrible would happen. Staying in place would only tempt disaster, and that was not an option. Not today. Well, where are we going? This isn't the way to my house. I don't know where I'm going, he said, urgently pressing on the gas. Calvin remained quiet, concentrating on something he knew Lisa couldn't feel or understand. He took a sudden right turn onto Post Street. Why are you turning here? It's just residential. You aren't acting like yourself. He didn't answer because he didn't know. Then he saw the man. Did you see that guy? Calvin asked, his voice shooting through the silence. No. What guy? Where? What did he look like? That guy. He stood on the corner back there under the tree. He was holding a pitchfork. The man had long, scraggly hair, piercing dark eyes, unkempt facial hair, and torn clothes. He didn't appear to belong in a middle-class neighborhood, especially near midnight. After passing the man, Calvin furtively glanced in his rear-view mirror and could still see the man's eyes following his car along with the tines of the pitchfork reflecting in the red of his Honda's taillights. Calvin made a hard right turn. What has gotten into you? Where are you going? Lisa trembled in fear. I'm going to look at him again. I can't believe you didn't see him. He was so tall. Calvin's voice drifted off as he pictured the man in his mind. He was right on the corner, underneath a big tree. He was shadowed, but I saw his long black hair, long beard, and his eyes. They stared straight into the car and followed us, he said, turning onto post again. Lisa peered through the darkness. Calvin slowed the car as he approached the corner where a pitchfork man stood. This time, the corner sat empty. Calvin, really? A man with a pitchfork? At this hour? You know how crazy that sounds? Lisa's cynical and analytical tone crept into her voice. 
Really, what would a man with a pitchfork be doing standing underneath a tree on Post Street at midnight? Grow brain! Lisa, he said her name in exasperation. I know what I saw. He turned onto the arterial, heading back toward Lisa's house. A streetlight burned out above the car. It wasn't the first time he noticed that happen, but that night was the first time he really paid attention to it. He wasn't sure if Lisa had noticed. They were both quiet as he drove, processing the strange events that had just taken place. Lisa's tight lips and crossed arms showed her disturbed disapproval as they arrived back at her house. The end of their date had been so bizarre that it put a strange feel on their entire afternoon and evening together. Lisa remained silent. Turning the ignition off, Calvin leaned over to give her a hug, which Lisa resisted at first. He took a deep breath and felt better for a moment. Calvin looked out the rear passenger side window as they embraced and saw it slowly fog up. Calvin's heart leapt into high speed again as the temperature in the car dropped drastically. No other windows fogged over. He raised his eyes to glance out the back passenger window again. His eyes widened in surprise. Lisa lifted her head too and looked toward the back of the car. Neither spoke as they watched an image slowly form, like someone drawing on the rear window from inside the car. A flood of adrenaline coursed through his body. Right before their eyes was a picture of a cross-like dagger drawn in the mist on the window. Oh my God, Lisa explained, terrified and paralyzed in fear. Calvin put a hand on her shoulder and she yelped, but it was enough to encourage her to exit and get as much space between herself and the car as possible. They ran to the front porch and with a quick kiss on the cheek, Calvin sent her inside. Then he turned back toward the car. Not too keen to climb back in it, he knew he didn't have a choice and slowly approached. With a glance into the back seat to make absolutely sure that it remained empty, he opened the door and collapsed inside. He knew logically that there wasn't anything in the back seat, but he could feel something there. There was an undeniable presence, powerful and overpowering, behind him as he drove. He put on his signal to take a right onto Lowell Street and head home. No! The booming male voice seemed to come from all around and made him jump in his seat. While the voice was loud and strong, it felt more protective than threatening. He didn't question it and continued without taking the turn. After a few blocks, he glanced down Barnes Road, which was bathed in light. Although puzzled, he took this as a sign that it was okay to turn, and he did. Two more turns and he pulled safely into the driveway at his parents' house. Calvin hurriedly entered the code to open the garage door, then made his way through the compact space between his dad's car and the bicycles hanging on the wall, careful to avoid contact with them. He reached the door that led into the house, grabbed the doorknob, took a deep breath, and hesitantly looked back, hoping he wouldn't see anything, but terrified that he would. The pedals of the bikes rotated, first on the bicycle farthest from him, then on the nearest, as though someone following him had bumped the pedals that he so carefully avoided. He threw open the door, turned to take one last look at whatever was behind him, and felt a rush of penetrating cold pass through the very core of his body. He slammed the door and ran downstairs to his room, jumping into his bed, shivering from the combination of cold and fear. Go away, go away, go away, go away, he chanted, panicked and curled up under his covers. Whatever you are, leave me alone. I give up. Just go away. Forever. Calvin lay in his bed, light on, trying to recover and let his body calm down enough to get some sleep. 
He could still feel the adrenaline, and his mind raced as he replayed the events of the night over and over, trying to figure out what it could all mean. All he knew for sure was that for the first time in his life, and hopefully the last, he felt pure evil. This was nothing like the innocent experiences that began when he was a child. He racked his brain, looking for some sign of evil in the things he used to see. He remembered the glowing orbs hanging in his room at the base of the stairs, the magazine pages fluttering on his dresser, things that were enough to keep him up at night as a child, but not even remotely as scary as tonight's occurrences. He pulled the covers tighter around him and fell asleep to those thoughts. Calvin didn't wake until morning and felt fuzzy and disoriented, like the previous evening's occurrences had been a horrific nightmare. Thirsty, he walked upstairs and into the kitchen and opened the door of the refrigerator to get some juice. His mom stood near the kitchen table wearing her robe and glasses. Calvin, she exclaimed, what on earth happened to your back? What? he asked, surprised. He rushed into the laundry room where a mirror hung above the sink. His eyes widened in astonishment as he looked over his shoulder. Extending from his collarbones, over his shoulders, and down the length of his back were eight bright red, inflamed scratches, still sticky with blood that hadn't fully dried. November 28th. 2005. What if this is related somehow, Lisa? Calvin asked, holding up the facts. What if I've been shoving some kind of spiritual ability under the surface since I was a child? What if now there is a strong and determined enough spirit, one that won't be denied the help that I can somehow offer? You don't even believe in the afterlife, Calvin. These have to be coincidences. Seriously, think, Lisa replied. And what about Sterling's dreams? Cal continued, ignoring his wife's snide comment. Our son has been waking up almost every night convinced that a scary man with sharp blue teeth tickles his back and scoops him up in a pillowcase to take him away. The kid won't even sleep with a pillowcase anymore. Something is going on here. I think you're wrong, she said, and I hope you let this craziness go soon. I wish I could. You remember Pitchfork Man. That was over within a couple of hours. Somehow, I don't feel like this is going away as easily this time. You must have a unique office. Not a lot of disruption to the energy flow. He took this as a question as to whether she could see his office or not, answering her before she had a chance to fully ask, hey, I could show you my office if you want. Elizabeth didn't need any time to think about it. She turned to her friends and said, ladies, I'm gonna head out with Calvin. I'll see you later, okay? She gave the women hugs and turned to walk out the door. The walk to the office was quick and they spoke very little along the way. Calvin's heart raced as he realized he was going to be alone in his office with the woman from the chute. The feeling was a little odd, as they hadn't known each other for very long, but he could feel that there was already an attraction developing. There was an intense connection that was almost too strange to be believable. Elizabeth paused as they made their way up the back stairwell. Standing about a third of the way up the first staircase, she looked at something. She smiled and glanced over to Calvin. Can you see her? she whispered. Calvin looked in front of him first, then behind. See who? The woman who just passed us, Elizabeth said, giggling. She was dressed like a flapper and drunk out of her mind. She was laughing and stumbling down the stairs. She turned to him, quite delighted, and said, Does this stairwell ever feel strange to you? Once again, he was amazed by this unbelievable and intoxicating woman. Maybe there was something to the laughter he heard after all. He'd heard stories that the building used to house a basement speakeasy in the 1920s. The laughter he'd heard is probably the drunken laughter of some of the old customers who frequented here in their lifetime. Wow, just tonight, in fact, I came down here and thought that I heard laughing. 
Now, when you really need to learn to just stop and feel things, trust your intuition. You'll find it's usually right. You just have to stop questioning yourself long enough to let go of any preconceived notions you've built up. You'll learn. You still have a long way to go, but you'll learn. He chose not to ask for details on that comment, as they had only a short distance left to climb. Turning left at the top of the stairwell, they faced the entrance to his darkened office. He reached into his pocket and pulled out the door key. This is it, he said as he unlocked the door and swung it open. Elizabeth followed him inside the lobby. The office suite was quiet and dark, except for the soft glow from the office Christmas tree that they'd put up shortly after Thanksgiving. Neither of them reached for the light switch, knowing that turning on the overhead fluorescence would kill the moment. Instead, they just stood there in silence and felt the energy around them while appreciating the quiet. Calvin walked in the dark toward the open door of his corner office, and Elizabeth followed with smooth, gliding steps and a knowing smirk on her face. This is where I saw her, he said, gesturing toward the doorway and off to the right side of his desk. Elizabeth nodded as she glanced around and said in a near whisper, you really have the perfect place to sit and just let them come to you. Just try to keep the lights off and don't look for them. When you see something out of the corner of your eye, try to resist looking directly at it or it'll disappear. He felt lost. This was also incredibly foreign to him. He glanced down at his watch and saw that it was already past 10 o'clock and he knew that he had better be getting home. He looked back toward the Christmas tree and then couldn't look away. Elizabeth stared at it too and he knew she saw the same things he did. Dark shadows passed in front of the individual lights on the tree, temporarily blocking their light and creating an eerie twinkling effect. He uttered a wow. See, cow? Elizabeth said in a whisper. They are here, always here, always around you, always watching. Do you feel the cold? Where? he asked. Just put out your hands and feel. You'll feel cold patches, said Elizabeth. He extended his hands out in front of him, slowly moving them from right to left, then right again. Elizabeth gently placed a hand on his and guided him. His pulse quickened at her touch. Right here. I feel it, he said. Yes, that's them, replied Elizabeth with a quiet excitement. They stood there, silent, her hands still wrapped around his and their eyes locking. Her scent permeated his soul and he felt an incredible peace. And then guilt. He nervously glanced away for a moment toward the door and gasped. Elizabeth, look at my door, he said, noticing the glass panes beginning to fog up. She let out a soft chuckle and leaned in close to him, their shoulders now touching. She whispered into his ear, you noticed. That's another sign. That's the kind of thing you need to be open to and watch for, isn't it? Magical? Subtle, yes, but magical when your eyes are open to it. It's amazing, he said, his voice drifting as he lost himself in the flickering of the lights in the fogged window. The fogged window. He snapped out of his incredible moment by the memory of the fogged window in his car in the night of Pitchfork Man. Elizabeth let go of his hand. I'm sure that this is going to take me some time to get used to. I'm really trying, Elizabeth, but I haven't had much time to digest or make sense of this whole thing. I need to get home to my wife. She's going to be worried. He walked toward the door and Elizabeth followed. I should get home to my husband too. You're married too? Yep, five years. Seems like we have a lot in common. I know that this all seems so weird to you right now, but Calvin, you can't really imagine how wonderful it is for me to finally have someone who can see these things, who can do what I can do. 
In time, you'll understand more of your abilities and I can help you learn how to use them. She reached for his upper arm, slightly touching him to make him turn to look at her. She leaned into him again and softly said, Really, it is both a blessing and a curse, but I will help you understand in any way I can. After all, I've been doing this since I was three and looking for you for nearly as long. He nodded and looked at her with a confused look on his face and began to walk slowly toward the door. I just don't understand what it is that Ellis wants from us. Elizabeth replied, I don't either, Cal, but I have a feeling that it won't take us long to find out.